Okay, um, just want to welcome you this morning and get our time started off here. And uh, we have uh, weren't with us last week. We um, have uh, been in a two week study on on the doctrine or the truth about demons and uh, um, just understanding them and uh, and how uh, they are involved in not only our lives but but the kind of the countdown towards uh, the future. And so, uh, <clears throat> I did not quite finish up last week, so the handout that you have is to start about halfway into our time together. Um, but last uh, two weeks, what we've covered is, in the truth about demons, is we've looked at them from the standpoint of the groups. We said they're, they're free and active in this world. Uh, they're bound and confined in prison. And we looked at the place where they're confined or bound in prison, and where is that? Okay, not Hades, but uh, Where? The abyss, correct. The abyss, Tartarus, uh, or the abyss, correct. So they're 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 in, in a temporary confinement, knowing that in Revelation chapter nineteen that they will be um, set free. When will that be? When is Revelation nine talking about? Second half of the tribulation period. So they'll be set free to planet Earth, and they will interact with planet Earth as to spiritual to, to material. Uh, physical, and and they will actually be seen at that time on the earth. So, um, also we looked at uh, the characteristics of demons. We said that they were spirit beings. Uh, they do not have fleshly bodies. That they have the capability to manifest themselves uh, in uh, in flesh, or also what inhabit um, individuals. Correct. We said they are localized, not omnipresent. We said they are intelligent, not omniscient. Uh, we saw that they are powerful but not omnipotent, um, and these these three things really are really important for us to understand as we um, look at understanding this whole spiritual world. We said that uh, a couple of key components tied to having a balanced view about this whole issue is really framing the subject in, in the first place. And we looked at First John chapter three verse eight that said that Jesus Christ has come to destroy the works of Satan. We also looked at 1 John 4, 1 through 6, where we saw that greater is he that is uh, in us than he that is in the world, and, and, and that um, the Holy Spirit's greater than our adversary. And then John chapter 5, <clears throat> that the evil one can't touch believers, and that the, but, but that the whole world does lie in, in the power of the evil one. And that we, um, at the end of the day, when everything's said and done, we need to guard ourselves from idols. And we talked about what that means. So we, so we looked on in, in our study about the classification of demons. We looked at governmental rulers. Uh, and we gave an example of one of those. What was the example of one of those? Prince of Persia, correct. Prince of Persia, that, that behind uh, governmental geopolitical boundaries, specifically and for sure the big ones, the ones that matter that um, are leading um, towards uh, um, a, a, a demonstrable pushback against uh, the forces of the kingdom of God. Um, behind there, in the spiritual realm, there is a there is um, a demon who has been assigned by uh, Satan to uh, to govern, if you would, or or be the one to. Uh, Lead that particular nation uh, on Earth, and so many words. Not lead it, but 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 direct it and, and push against it. And we saw that Michael is called 
<coughs> the prince of, of, of the people of God, which is Israel. Um, and so Michael is an archangel, right? And so he's on, he's, he's, he, uh, he is over um, Israel, and this prince of Persia um, is what we saw to be um, uh, world forces of darkness was, was the language we used for that, that, that level of a person in the, in the organizational chart of Satan, so to speak. Um, looked at the activity of demons. We looked at their ability to inflict disease and physiological suffering. We saw that they, their focus is to influence the mind. And we saw that, uh, um, we looked at, at the whole issue of uh, demonic possession and the, the outbreak that did occur on the earth. Um, we also looked at the nature of demonic possession. We saw that um, from a nature perspective that they, they, uh, when, when a person is indwelt by a, by a demon, that they literally have uh, a change in moral character or disposition. Many times what you'll see, or they manifest themselves differently, but maybe a different voice, different educational level, different language, different personality, uh, and that they have uh, many times a manifestation of superhuman strength uh, beyond just kind of the normal, uh, and also uh, uh, intellect that is beyond the, the learning or the understanding of a particular person because they've been able to um, learn these things over time, right? Because they don't die, and so they've been able to see this and learn things. And and just even think about just, a, I mean, I was driving down the road yet a, few, a few days ago and just saw like two or three medium places, you know, spirit, spirit palm reading, medium, tarot card concept, right? I mean, don't underestimate the fact that those individuals are, you know, indwelt by by a demon, possibly, uh, or at least they're they're channeling towards one, right? That uh, um, you know that demon would very much like for that person to believe that, you know, through that channel or through that hallway, they can understand things about the future. They can know things that are beyond normal human comprehension, and and, and demons will play with people's minds in that way to be able to get them to believe in them, get them to trust them and to uh, lean fully into them. And certainly that, that creates a pathway or a, an open door in their life uh, for uh, possession to occur. Is it a lies that they would... No, very much so. It's, lots of times it's truth. But all they know is what... Well, they've, when they look back in time, like many times they'll say, like, you know, well, <clears throat> you know, talk to your dead um, you know, parents or, or family or that kind of thing, and then they... They illuminate something that was true about them that nobody else would know. Well, they know it because they they were watching that person maybe when so they did that. Things, but not future things. Correct. Because, like, you know, people go to those people mostly. Sure. And then they tell them all these things about their lives. Are they telling them lies from the... Yeah. To keep them down? Yeah. Going? Yeah. They and really, it's based on what they know of that person correct. probably, right? Well, they, yeah. they can't like, tell the future. No. No. No, only God knows the future. On, on the other hand, though, you, you end up with a, a perspective of of uh, the fact that um, you know they they're very uh, cunning from the standpoint of watching the manners and the ways of mankind in such a way to be able to understand them and understand us even personally too. So not general, but it's more also individual. Yeah, they they understand you know what makes us tick. Uh, we looked at the scripture that talks about the the um, 
you know, that, that uh, our adversary has a strategy for us, you know, looking at, for us personally. And so we can't be um, ignorant of his ways and his strategies is the point. So that's where we left off last time. And I want to look at our defense against fallen angels now really quickly and then jump into our, our normal part of our study that I wanted to get into in the last half of our time together today. So our defense against fallen angels, turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. We started this, I, I just want to um, finish it up and then move on to the last two verses and understand how we can defend against uh, the, the spiritual um, adversary. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5 through uh, five says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh... Not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the, for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations of every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Um, so, first and foremost here, what we see is, is, is that uh, we are in a spiritual war, not a physical war. In, in your... In your In your uh, handouts, uh, there, there, there's only a couple bullet points here, but I, I wanted to illuminate a few things because I thought they were very important for us. So just find an open space down below or something and, and start to get these notes down because I think they'd be huge in your life um, as you think about like uh, our defense. So first of all, we're in a spiritual war, not a physical war. I think it's really important to understand that we will come back to this particular point when we look at Ephesians chapter 6 and, and look at that a little bit more deeper. The second one here is that our spiritual weapons are needed. Spiritual weapons are needed for spiritual warfare. So um, we can't help, we, we can't think that we can uh, approach this whole area uh, uh, of a war. Good morning, Gabe. Uh, of a war and, feel, and do it in our own strength or do it with the resources that somehow we feel we have. Can't do it. Get shot. Get, get whacked. I mean, it, we will not win. We will wake up and find ourselves uh, whacked. Um, in, in the war, um, the third one here is um, uh, uh, spiritual weapons are effective uh, and able to destroy any and all stronghold or prison. We saw that this word um, fortresses here is really uh, the idea of prisons or uh, uh, things that uh, surround and fortify. Um, what might be some examples of fortresses? You think? What are fortresses in our in, in our lives, in people's lives? Patterns. Okay, patterns, habits. They're th- they're strongholds. They're things that hold, uh, bind tightly. Philosophy, beliefs, um, doctrines of demons. What else? Idols, right? They're, they're they're things that hold our heart hostage. Follow me. So. It's anything that's raised up here. Um, uh, the common threads here are that uh, it's anything raised up against uh, knowing God rightly. It's anything raised up against knowing God rightly. So it's like anything that would cause me to uh, truly um, understand the true nature of who God is. Follow me? Or possibly... A clear understanding experientially of the, of, of the work he's done. Does that make sense? So it's like literally if it's something that that uh, 
keeps me from rightly seeing who God is. So um, he, he's he's true. He's 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 good. He's he's got my best interests at heart. He's got um, you know he he's he's eternal. He is God and God alone. He, I mean, all all of the understanding of who of what we bring to the table in rightly seeing a God, whatever's raised up against that is what we're talking about here. Everything. So, uh, the other thing here is that battle that we're talking about here um, of the of this war, the, the, this battle is for the mind and in the mind. So it's in the mind, but most importantly, it's for the... the, 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 the it's for the for it's for the vanquishing of the mind. It's for being able to cause the mind to think wrongly about God. When you unbundle every single uh, sin, when you unbundle every single temptation, when you unbundle every single uh, doctrine of demons, at the at the very core of it is a wrong view of God that then somehow demonstrates or manifests itself. In my okay, because I believe that I'll do X, Y, or Z. Okay, follow me. Makes sense. Really important. Okay, so it's in the mind. It's for the mind. It's, it's for it's for holding the mind hostage in a fortress, in a prison, in a way that would keep it under lock and key, as opposed to be freed up or emancipated to see God rightly and, and act rightly. That's the, that's the bottom line. Another thing here is that it, it's revealed truth in the Word of God is our ultimate weapon. Revealed truth in the Word of God is our ultimate weapon. So where do we know, where do we have right right knowledge, revealed knowledge of God? Well, it's in the Word of God. How can we trust anything else? We can't. In fact, I'll talk about that in just a second. Um, how do we fight? According to this verse, he says says, first of all, that our spiritual weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses at the end of verse 4. Notice for a second that they are divinely powerful. They are spiritually powerful. That when used in the spiritual realm, they are effective. They're effective. They'll be effective. Divinely powerful. Verse 5. We are destroying speculations in every lofty thing, every idea, every thought process that's raised up against knowing who God really is. And then he says, we are what? Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So, we fight in this war, in our minds, where, it's, where, where the battle's uh, fought, by, quote, Taking every thought captive and, and putting them underneath Christ. Submitting them to underneath Christ. So what does that mean? I mean, wh- Practically, I mean, what does that mean in our life today? Tomorrow? Okay, it's sealed underneath who Christ is. What does that really mean, though? I mean, what, I mean just experientially, I have something happen tomorrow or today, and how, how do I fight? How do I fight according to this verse against this issue? Bible verses. Okay, recall Bible verses. Good, because that's truth, right? It's it's yeah. what's true. Yeah. Okay. Just along that same line, Barb Wilson's air study we did with her. She taught us to stop 
what we're thinking, put God's word, mm-hmm. or to pray and obey. Okay. The obedience. Okay. So, so stop. Really important one. Second is what? What was verse? It, in her her study, it was stop verse. Okay, verse, which is what what Bible Michael just said, said, which is God's, God's word, word, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Pray. Third is pray. And then obey. And then obey. Okay, good. The one, two, three, four. Excellent. So this is this is what he's asking us to do. This is how you take a thought captive. A thought is anything raised up against who God is, right? Mm-hmm. So that's going to be what we're going to lean fully into to sin. When we sin, we've leaned fully into something that has said, you know, we either care more about our pleasure than pleasing God. Bottom line. Okay? So, when we do that, that's what happens. He says, stop, assess the situation. When we were going through our back to, back to the basics uh, uh, study, it was like, stop, move away from the car. <laughs> it's like, your hands on the, on the, off the car, you know, don't drive anymore. Stop. Okay? Um, remember God's word. What does it say about this situation? What does it say about me to be able to understand what's going on here? And then pray about what's going on, and then and then obey, lean fully into, take it, take it at faith. What God has said about this situation, does that make sense? So when, when we talk about praying, I mean, it doesn't mean like I get down on my knees, like right in the middle of the you know thing. It may, okay, if it's if it's a really strong situation, but it, but it literally means um, being a open op, op, open up the. Open up the channels of full communication with God. Don't like have a ceiling that's shut down. Open up that ceiling and be in be in communication with who God is right then. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, think, so so the point here is discipline. Discipline what we think about. He's saying you have to be able to to hold the hold thoughts captive to to. To you control the thoughts, not the thoughts control you. And when you do that, you have the ability to stop and put them on trial. This here is 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 the process of, of, of putting what's going on and my response to it on trial. It's judging through my... Okay, it's coming at me. How do I judge through what's, what's going on? Am I going to judge it rightly or am I not? And, and what is judging rightly or not called, according to our studies in the past? Discernment. Bingo. Discernment. Now, discernment in every situation, add those all up, and now I get what? Wisdom. So when I rightly discern and decide about a specific situation, and I make the right choice, boom, another one. Got it. Black and white, not gray. Boom. Make a decision. Make a decision. Make a decision. Add those up over months and years. And now I'm getting wisdom. Back to that a little bit later. Okay. Verse 13 here. Look at this. It says, I should should have said 12. I'm sorry. Verse 12. He says, For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some who who commend themselves. But when they, these people who commend themselves, people who commend themselves are people who are proud, right? What does he say about these people? He says, but when they, quote, get this really clearly, measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. They're without understanding. So, so what is... What, what verse is that? 
Verse 12, I'm sorry. Of chapter 10 there. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, people are without understanding. That The definition of that is mysticism. Mysticism is, the verse 13, 12, looking inside myself for the answers uh, uh, both of and to life. Of and to life. You see what I'm saying? In other words, like, what, el- what other options are available to, to non-believers? It's, it, there aren't any other options other than, than to look within themselves and try to figure this out, right? And, and that's what we call mysticism. Mysticism is, is, is using myself as the gauge and trying to figure out how to respond to things and know things and everything myself. It's, it's coming up with answers that I think are right, you know? Um, that, that's what mysticism is. As opposed to what? What we just talked about, which is that there's absolutes, they're found in the Word of God, and I am going to lean fully into those. Make sense? See the difference? And, and that, I, I just kind of threw that one in because I think it's important for us to see how, how, how doctrines of demons will encourage us just to look within what we, our own resources to figure it out and, and, and come to grips with things. Yeah. That. Absolutely, and and I, I would recommend to say that you know we have a lot of Christian mysticists you know uh, acting it, uh, practically in our churches today um, because we tend to um, go it alone, and I'm going to talk more about that today because this is huge. Um, yeah, something that's uh, probably even more prevalent, and uh, also even among we tend to compare ourselves with those who are lower than we are. Somebody who's in jail, some. And then we look pretty good rather than putting up Christ as a standard and then trying to measure up to that and work our way. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is all about setting the standard. You know, are you going to look to what God says about this? Or are you going to set the standard? It's, it's really simple. It's really that clear. Absolutely. Good point. Turn with me then, if you would, to uh, the next one, which is Philippians 4. I'm going to start meddling with some people's minds here, so get ready. I just want to tell you ahead of time, if, you, if you're faint of heart, just leave right now. Um, Philippians chapter uh, 4, verses six, uh, 6 through 8. Would somebody read that? Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving in your own God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your mindly brethren, whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute. So again, why are we studying this in the context of our defense? It would be a huge question to ask, right? So I I would suggest that it has um, everything to do with uh, uh, rightly seeing what's going on in our life. Okay. So first thing here is is, um, a key defense, a beginning point of our defense is to rightly view our context. Um, the context of our situations in our lives. Rightly view the context of, uh, of the situations in our lives. W- what do I mean by that? Um, well, anytime you read a verse, you want to try to um, unpack the context, right? Because, I mean, context in our lives is about, uh, is about di- uh, understanding and discerning uh, what's really going on. So... Uh, T- t- turn, look, look for a second at uh, verse uh, 4 and 3. 
he's talking about this Yodia and Syntyche who who's encouraging to live in harmony. They, they've got a problem in getting along, these two women in the church. But he finishes verse 3 by saying, And the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. And then he starts verse 4 by saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. <laughs> so, so, so when we're in the middle of a situation, I mean, back to the issue of stop. I mean, it's, it's, it's huge for us to understand the context by saying what? Our names are written in the book of life. <laughs> that we are believers in Christ. That, that God has saved us. That we are his children and start to understand what does that mean in our life, right? In the second part of that context, we'll see, he, he goes on, he says in verse 5, he says, Let your uh, gentle or forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. And then he starts right into verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Well, wh- well how can we be anxious for nothing? It's, it's by remembering that our names are written in the book of life and that the Lord is near. What does the Lord near mean? Nothing the Holy Spirit is Bingo. The Holy Spirit is absolutely in us. The Lord is near. He's like right in the context of the situation. What's another re- thing you can th- remember about the Lord being near? He's everywhere, so he's near. Right. And what else does that bring to the table about this context? Well, his word is uh, what we recall back on that as a defense. Exactly. Uh, the Lord is near, so he's got he's got... He's got some truth about what's going on here that, that if, I le- if, if I stopped for a second and, and, and exercised it, I would understand how to view this rightly. Now, I may not want to, but it is, it is there. Okay. What's another thing about the Lord is near? Not alone. Not alone. What a great... Re- yeah. What a great re- reminder to know that, that He's there. He's present with me. And he actually has uh, ordained this thing too in my life, and that and that I have the ability to fully uh, exercise that with him. Another thing about the Lord is near is that when you think about near, it means proximity. Well, doesn't the scripture say the Lord is nearer than than he was yesterday today than he was yesterday because his time is coming, mm-hmm. and, and there is a and he will return, and Maranatha. Right? Lord, come quickly. I mean, that, that's another dimension of Lord is near. Um, and, and, and that should rightly <laughs> set my context of, of what's really going on in my life, right? Also, every deed done in the Everything counts. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this, this, mo- this moment matters. This moment matters. Good. The next thing here is be sensitive to and recognize the, uh, and call... Anxiety and fear in this context, and, and bitterness, anger, lack of faith, and gossiping, etc., in their context, what they really are in our lives, sin. Oh boy, here we go. Okay, he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, worry, anxiety, fear. Um, you know, if you don't rightly... You don't rightly... Uh, Determine what a what a disease is in the physiological side of life. Uh, when you go to a doctor, you know you, you have cancer, and he goes, you know, take some pills. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure this out, right? I mean, you know, you, you'll feel better in the morning. It's like, you know, I, I have cancer, and he gave me pills. I don't think he rightly determined what what was going on, right? 
so, so, so rightly diagnosing a problem says that, that that there's a solution, right? Because because if I if I just somehow think that that, that a problem is X and I give Y as a, a to, to counterbalance it, that's not going to work, right? So half of the problem is rightly diagnosing the problem in order to rightly bring the right solution to that problem. So anytime we just kind of say or or blink or blank or 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 not really understand what's really going on in lives, and, I, and by the way, I, in my opinion, I think I think this is a huge issue in the church. Mm-hmm. I think we have I think we have tolerated sin far too long, and I think that we need to rightly diagnose. Things in our lives that we that that we wink at and we do not take seriously as sin, because that's what the scriptures call it. Okay, fear and anxiety and worry. Why are those sins? Lack of trust and faith. What in what? In the providence of God. Okay. Okay. It's, it's dependent upon. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. From that exactly. Most of us know it's exactly. not a, matter, a matter of knowing. Exactly. Uh, when I worry, I put God on trial. When I, when I'm anxious, I've assessed that He doesn't really care about me. When I am in lack of content, I've chosen to fully engulf myself with something that doesn't matter and it's not doesn't matter most. And you just go on and on. Bitterness. Chosen not to rightly call sin what it is and deal with it because um, it's going to eat me up. It's going to eat me up, and I will not unless I rightly unless I respond to things biblically in my life and rightly deal with these things. They will neutralize me in my life. Lack of contentment is is uh, being filled up with something that is not not going to last. So it's. It's choosing to lean fully into something is more important than who God is. Yeah. Which point? It's like contentment. Yeah. You have to right. It's not that yeah, you're our, just there. Absolutely. Our natural... Somebody dies yeah. in your life. Yeah. There's a tragic absolutely. accident. We've sterilized. Or my life, I've looked how God has worked through these. But it was a process. Yeah. I, I, mean, it I, wasn't I do. When something yeah. happened, immediately absolutely. I trusted God fully yep. and understood and... Yep. So, so this is the explosion, okay? <laughs> um, and and this is my decision because this is what happened, okay? Right. This is this is how I'm going to, and then over here is what I do, okay? And then over here, how I feel, okay? So, um, you can you can wait till you get all the way through here, having responded wrongly. Because you saw this wrongly, so you acted wrongly, and you feel what? Anxious, worried, um, not fulfilled. So it, I had a great learning session with my, my son this week, and it was it was challenging. And um, uh, you know he he's he's going through some things in his life, and and had the opportunity to lead, to, to explain this right here with him this week, actually. And you know it, it's and, and so. You have two options. You can either, um, by the way, making the right decision in this context, what we said was what? Discernment, mm-hmm. right? Doing that in multiple explosions over time is wisdom, right? So so if I did this wrong, then, then 
I will have probably sinned in my life, most likely. And so therefore, Proverbs says, the way of the one who sins or transgresses is going to be hard. It's going to be hard in life. Life is going to be hard. You continue to do this lots, it'll be really much harder. So hard here is is tied to the outcome of, of, of the decisions I've made. So so I need to... It, so there's two ways to, to deal with this, right? If, if I'm really aware of what's going on, I can deal with it right here. Because I got it on the radar screen of my life, I'm thinking rightly about what's going on, I can make a good decision. I can do this right here. But I'm not aware, then what? I'm probably going to be sometime down here that I'm going to go, oh my goodness, made a wrong decision here. Or I'm, or I'm going down the wrong way. Right? So, what I... What, what, what I want to try to feel, figure out how to do personally is, is, is if, I, if I come to a place where I, I have feelings in my life that are anxious or worried or burdened or this or that, you know, then that should tell me what? I haven't, I haven't made the right call here. Because if I diagnose that as sin in my life, because I'm not trusting God, Right or whatever the case may be, then I have to move upstream in the process and say, what happened? Did I really look at this rightly? Am I trying to get out from underneath this explosion and all the ramifications that occurred as a result of it? Now, maybe this explosion you had nothing to do with. Maybe this explosion you know, came at you out of left field. We're going to talk more about that when we get into temptation. So you can't, you can't manage the explosion. You can't manage whether the explosion happens. We can, we, can, we can definitely make decisions around how to respond rightly. Yeah. Um, you know, different, different person will really Uh-huh. Demonstrable? Yeah. Okay. To me, it'll be just okay. fun. But she, yeah. oh, he's going to die. He's going to sure. you know, all these terrible sure. things. So. Okay. So, so just there, I mean, those are two different windows or contexts of looking at what happened there completely differently, right? Oh, yeah. And, and so... And so all I'm suggesting is when we put this box around what happened, this is called context. Context is what I've been trying to explain to you. It's, it's not seeing what happened. It's seeing the context around it and rightly viewing it with the right eyes, right? So that's what I'm really talking about here is the ability to, to rightly view it. And, and, and if we get down the road here and we don't rightly diagnose it, where we've landed in this thing, if it's been wrong, we've responded naturally or wrong, that's sin. And so all, all repentance is is calling sin what it is and dealing with it, meaning asking for forgiveness and, and, and reestablishing that, that intimacy with God. That's, that's what we're talking about. Mark, it was my experience. And, um, immediately they knew. They, sure. And so sometimes... Sure. And it's, it, it's strongholds, okay? They're strongholds. We don't... We don't we don't act ourselves out of strongholds overnight. We may be freed from strongholds because of the power of the Spirit of God, but but I'm I'm suggesting that most of the time we'll continue to deal with these. They're they're hot buttons that, that, that the adversary has pushed in our lives for all too long, and we have to figure out how to rightly undo those and and choose why choose rightly choose right. I mean, anger, you know. Thing. Often we gloss over. Mm-hmm. The biblical response that's needed. Yeah, correct. Or sin. You know? Absolutely. It's just like, 
And we should absolutely those things and remember that that was sin in my life. Absolutely. But, and but and you know, and but God is gracious. Yeah. And when we confess, yeah. You know, I just you know just some of our studies. I mean, even the process of it. I always I always go back to I love the story of Abraham. How did that man walk up that mountain with that his son? Steadfastly, step yeah. by step by step, but it took years yeah. to get him to that point yeah. where Absolutely. he could, by faith, obey, go through all of these things. His feeling was complete trust in God. Absolutely, I mean, he was responding and doing as God said. And I just always thank you, Lord, for giving us these people that have gone before us and know that how many years was it before yeah. he even had eyes and have done it right and and have mm-hmm. done it wrong. And if we could <laughs> just stop and. I just, you know, biblical counseling classes, Romans 8, 28, 29, that God uses all things in our lives. When that explosion happens, if I could just stop and remember, God, what do you have for me in this day? Amen. Absolutely. I don't, I fail. Absolutely. I have to repent a lot. (laughs) And, and, you know, I mean, if we don't have a, if we don't have a cultural environment here that, 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 that understands that, you know, uh, church isn't, you know, I'll use another quote, right? Church isn't a showcase for saints. It's a hospital for sinners, you know. And, and so, I mean, how, how do we be real amongst one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, help one another, be honest with one another? I mean, that's that. We're going to talk more about that today, and I, and I want to get into that. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. He leaned fully into the truth that he knew that would be given to him by God, right? Yeah. 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 The next one here is that the antidote to sin is guarding our hearts and minds with joy and peace. The antidote to sin is guarding our hearts and minds with joy and peace. He says, he says, uh, um, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. And, uh, and he talks about that uh, there. So that's going to be the that's going to be what he uh, is going to uh, guard our hearts with. Um, so the antidote to sin is having joy a joy a joy filled and peace filled heart. And then I'm not going to want something that isn't fully aligned with God. Right. Uh, next one here is that they, uh, these things um, joy and peace come through developing a thankful heart, which is ever before the throne of God in an attitude of prayer. I didn't say praying all the time. I just said that there's full two-way communication at any given time to hear and listen or or to speak to God. Uh, that there's no barriers. There's, no, there's nothing keeping that those channels open between uh, God and myself. You know, I think about my my wife and I. If 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 there's a if there's something I've done, then I've like thrown a, thrown a problem in between our our communication channels. It almost, I mean, I don't know too many times where communication and, and the effectiveness of communication isn't a direct result of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And so, when, when when I've done something wrong, I've I've, I've 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 exploded the channels of communication in between me and God or a person. And so, if I don't go deal with that, what happens is it just gets put down here, puts a bit down here, puts it, and they, it comes back in ugly ways. Ugly ways because I, some other thing coming out of fully left field will happen, and, and all of a sudden this thing will explode. I go, "What in the world happened?" Well, it's because I didn't deal with all the things one by one that were out there, or at least put them behind us. And, and so, how do I how do I do that and keep those channels open with 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 God? Well, it's going to come through a thankful heart. If, if I have a thankful heart, he says here a couple times. He says. Um, 
but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then back down in, uh, in uh, um, where is it? Uh, um, but, but he says, with thanksgiving is the key thing here. Um, there. Uh, so, praying always and with a thankful heart. So my ability to say, my ability to uh, thank God about this situation I'm in, even though it's an explosion, and I don't seek to get out from underneath it, is what God wants. He just wants me to, to be content in the middle of that and looking to Him for the answers. The last one here is this focused disposition of, of, of an attitude of, of, of intimacy or communication with God um, will garrison our minds with contentment. Will garrison our minds with contentment. So He says... Um, and the God of peace shall be with you, um, in verse 9. He says, he says in verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, um, having this perspective or this dispositional perspective of life will, will, will be like a fortified bulwark, tower of strength uh, against the enemy in my life. Um, because I'll have fully leaned into him in that area uh, and trusted him in the middle of it. Yeah. You know, this week, Mark, I've been thinking a lot about our responsibility mm. and our responsibility yeah. to prepare mm-hmm. exactly. ourselves. And yep. we've, we've been reading. Yeah. And the ocean thing, hunger process, mm-hmm. is because exactly. of it, it catches us by guard, off guard, and we've got just like that. Word. I mean, how often do I, you know, have my little flip cards and I have my little yeah. attacks me? And am I fortifying so my that? Yeah. Absolutely. To prepare myself for Amen. Amen. Good, good, good input. Well, let's move to uh, Colossians three sixteen and seventeen. Colossians three sixteen and seventeen. Uh, a couple pages to the right. Um, somebody want to read that, please? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Okay, um, this idea of the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom. Um, let, let God's Word spread out like a tent over all of our minds and hearts is the idea. His, his point is richly dwell is the idea of uh, let, let the Word of God or Word of Christ uh, be um, take up its permanent residence uh, in every nook and cranny of your house, of your heart, is the idea. Let, let it permeate all spaces of my heart and mind. Let it reign supreme. Let it be completely engulfing as a tent over my, over my mind and heart. That's the idea here, is that let it, let it be overall. This is one of the most important verses for me when I, when I think about temp, temptation or anything else, is, that, is to let the word of Christ richly dwell in me. Um, so that's dwell. Richly means to let it, like, just... Completely permeate everything. It's, it, it wouldn't just be small, but it'd be large. It'd be overflowing. So, be overflowing in your thinking about <laughs> truth and about who God is, and, and and rightly thinking about these things in the middle of of the situation. Right. Second one here is is to pursue wisdom by learning discernment. Pursue wisdom by learning discernment. He says, um, "Well, within you, with all wisdom." And he goes about 
to say how we get wisdom is teaching, admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with what? There's the verse I was looking for. Thankfulness in your hearts to God. Thankfulness in your hearts to God. Um, so it's ability to be able to thank God in the middle of that and to be able to, to you know, if, if I'm getting information, that creates knowledge. Knowledge creates understanding. Understanding, I want to be able to discern rightly and discerning rightly, I get wisdom. That's the flow of, of what God says. Get wisdom, how do I get that? I go all the way back here and figure out how to learn this through this process of life. Of knowing God and and do rightly doing the right making the right decisions in my life. Okay, next year is to seek and allow other believers to be in the process of speaking into my life. Seek and allow other believers to be in the process of speaking into my life. He says, um, uh, teaching and admonishing one another. That's that's a two way street. Admonishing one another. So it's a bi directional process. I can't just be a, a person who wants to give information about how to become more like Christ. I want I you know, I want to be in the listening mode all the time. So, you know, what makes a great teacher is one who's teachable, right? So you want to be able to be looking and seeking this information for people and be able to to have them be speaking into your life and, and doing something about it. Um, the next one here is to desire to please God more than I want to breathe. Desire to please God more than I want to breathe. He says whatever you do in word or deed um, in the simplest things of life, to the most complex things of life, whatever it is, do all, all, it's not, it's not like, you know, which ones you want, <laughs> do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. So, seek to please Him. I mean, you, you, our greatest defense, when come, coming up against temptation or, or the the perspectives to think wrongly about who God is from demonic activity is going to be that I want to please God more than I want to, I want to please myself. More than I want to breathe in my life. I want to please God. So how do we, how do we get that disposition in our life? How do we, how we, how we, how we gain that? That's that process that comes here over and over and over. So when I get to this place, I, I respond rightly. You know, a person who, who who's, picks up the guitar for the first time, and and then they try to you know they show a chord and try this and try that you know they try it right I mean they 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 puke all over that it's like they're terrible at it you know and you go I don't think I want you on stage right but but you know trying and trying but but what makes you better it's failure it it's it's the process of learning through through not doing it right, that I learn how to do it right. And so it's that process of getting better that I'll put a person maybe, okay, try it, you know, go out and play in front of your friends and family you know, first. And then, you know, maybe I'll put you on stage, you know, to be, a, to be on stage before lots of people to see. Um, so that's that process of God owning our lives to prepare us for ministry. Well, that will be a direct reflection of our ability to make these right decisions in our life uh, day in and day out. Last one here is to cultivate and nurture a heart of daily worship, which is overflowing with thankfulness and praise. Cultivate and nurture a heart of daily worship, which is overflowing with thankfulness and praise. He says, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And, and uh, he says, when we do this, the peace of Christ will rule in our hearts. Rule in our hearts in, in verse 15. So, be thankful. And he says, uh, it will rule. It will 
reign supreme. It will be the, also the thing that, that, that unites the body towards this direction also. So great, great, great admonition to us uh, here. A couple things just uh, on, the, on the judgment of demons. I want to finish that up. Jump into our study today also. is uh, Colossians 2.15. Uh, they, were, they were judged uh, on the cross. Um, Revelation 19.20.21. And uh, um, Matthew 25.41. At the end of the millennium, uh, they will be judged uh, with Satan. And uh, their destiny is, is hell. And so uh, that is their... Um, Future uh, that they can expect um, uh, in the in in the world and in in eternity. Okay, any questions about that, real quick? Okay, open your Bibles if you would to Matthew four. Matthew four. We're going to look at verses one through um, Matthew four one through uh, eleven. I think it is um, one through uh, eleven. Yeah. Okay, um, the handout you got there, um, I want to use that to walk through. Um, you're probably going to want to um, get your pen out real quick. There's a couple up here. Anybody need some more? There's some back in the back there. Some of you want to pass those out. Just people who have their hands raised, that'd be great. Uh, Gabe, you had a question? Was it about that? No, okay. okay. Okay, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Uh, let's read that together. Then Jesus was led by, up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he, uh, um, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. Uh, but he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city, and he took, stood him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, "If, if you if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. And it's, uh, for it's written, He will give you angels charge concerning you, and on their, their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone." Jesus said to him, "On the other hand, it is written to it is written, you shall t- not tempt the Lord your God." Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and the glory, their glory, and he said to him, "All these things I will give to you. You fall down." If you fall down and worship me, then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Okay. Um, so, I want to take a look at this, uh, if you could, uh, verses 1 and 2 first. He says, Then. Then is after what? What just finished happening? Pardon me? Um, the, the first then in verse 1. Yeah. Uh, uh, this, this whole situation happens right after he's anointed as my beloved son by God in front of all these people. Um, God came. God spoke from heaven audibly to the people that were there. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Then, after that situation, after his anointing before all people there as, 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 his, as God's son... Uh, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Don't miss the fact that uh, voluntarily he went into the desert, but that God did the leading. The Spirit of God brought him into the, a place where he's going to be tempted, exercised by Satan. Um, interesting. The word tempted is the idea of to be enticed to do evil. 
Um, so it's uh, going to be by the accuser, the slanderer, the maligner, the devil. And it says, and after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Anybody, any of you fasted before? Okay, It's hard, right? I mean, a couple days, one day, two days, three days, four days, a week. No, 40 days. And, and interesting enough, after a certain number of days, you don't get hungry that like like you do before, and you're you're very lucid, very clearly clear headed, able to you know do do some amazing things. But um, forty days that's a long time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, scriptures say that after that he became hungry. See that after he had fasted that that time, he then became hungry. Afterward, he became hungry. Um, by the way, any, any thought about 40 days? Why 40? Okay, yeah, Noah. 40 years? 40 yeah, 40 is this idea of, uh, of uh, testing, testing yeah, probation, uh, judgment. Yeah. Um, before this time, though. Correct. Right. right. Yeah, Hebrews. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So let's uh, take a look at verses uh, um, 3 through 4. The scope here down the left-hand side you'll see is personal. Um, to begin with, in verses four, 3, 4, and 5, uh, it says, The tempter came to him, If you're son of God, command these stones to become bread. So the, the type of temptation here is the lust of the flesh. Interestingly enough, we won't turn to it, but in, um, in, in 1 John chapter 5, he, uh, excuse me, 1 John chapter um, 2, he, he says, uh, John says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. That is the lust of the flesh, the, the lust, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. So John somehow breaks three main groupings of types of of, of uh, temptation up into these three major groupings, and I think that I think I don't know too many things that would fall outside these, which is kind of interesting. The first one would be what we call the lust of the flesh. The temptation here is you're hungry, <laughs> okay? Uh, if if you if you are the son of God, um, if you are the son of God, and and, and and who had just said who he was? God had just finished saying that, that uh, 40 days earlier, that spoke it, speaking that my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, right? So if you were the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In other words, what? Indulge yourself. Take it upon yourself to indulge yourself. Take it upon yourself to indulge yourself. Okay, um, so let's unbundle this and see what's really going on. Because our ability to understand not only what happened here, because this is really crucial. I mean, why did this whole thing even get set up this way? I think it was for, in all ways, him to be tempted like we are. Okay? And, and, and it's not like, you know, every single temptation he went through. But he, he, he all, all of them were fully exercised. All the categories were fully exercised in God, in Christ. Okay? So... Um, the first, what's really going on here is that spiritual eyes bring clarity that the circumstances I am in are within God's sovereign hand and for my good. So when I have spiritual eyes, looking at this situation, <clears throat> he's hungry, right? I mean, don't 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 miss the fact that off of spiritual highs come come temptation. It, it has it happens all the time in our lives. We have a great spiritual high, and all of a sudden we're at this high, and we've you know, got the world by the tail, and all of a sudden, whack, it hits us, and, and, and it, it blows, up, blows up on us, right? 
Um, you see that so many times with new believers. It, believe me, it is not a coincidence. Um, so the next thing is for me to use my own resources versus trust what the Word of God says about promise and promises us within within those circumstances is not to trust Him. So the, what does that mean? It means that the, the the situations there, He has resources. He's He has resources at His disposal if He called up upon them, right? But God had chosen not to give them to him at this time, right? He, I mean, he probably wanted more than anybody else to be able to indulge himself in, in, with food after, after becoming so hungry. Um, but, but he saw the situation as God hasn't provided that yet, so I'm not going to lean into it. And he says here, this manifests itself by trying to get... How does it manifest itself in our lives? By trying to get out from underneath the difficult circumstances of our lives versus seeking God in the midst of them. So, remember the umbrella? You know, th- this manifests itself by trying to keep running out from underneath the umbrella of circumstances to try to get away from them versus what? Seeking God in the midst of them. Right? Okay? So, Jesus Christ's response here is to use Scripture to think rightly about what's going on. To think rightly about what's going on. All three of these situations, he uses scripture. And it's to think rightly about what's going on. It's to transform the way he thought about it and his response to it. To transform how he thought about it and his response to it. How did he do that? He said, um, you, can, you can command these stones to become bread. And he said what? Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So he's saying, he's saying, he, he's actually saying, uh, he's going to choose to lean uh, completely into what God's Word says as opposed to satisfying or indulging uh, the yearning of his flesh. Follow me? That's what he's saying. Just translate that in our own lives. What does that mean? The temptation. It's all about saying you don't need food. All you need is the Word of God. He's saying you need God more than you need exactly. anything else. Because He will exactly. you Exactly. Will never be from your exactly. And, and he's put you under this beautiful umbrella, right? Put you under the umbrella, and and uh, and so you know this is God's quote sovereign hand, right? Into my life. Um, and so how how do I view it rightly? If I'm just viewing myself under this umbrella versus or in this situation versus again back to our issue, right? context, what what's going on, how do I see it rightly, Jesus could have said, you know, you're right, I'm, I, I am hungry, I'm, and I have the power, so I'm going to make this stone. But he said, Jesus leaned into saying, this context is what God has put me in. I'm not going to undo myself from this context in order to indulge myself. Do you, you, see, you see that? See how powerful that is? That makes sense. Fairly, uh, you got a question on your mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking. What does anything? Like, now maybe this is to how to handle something that maybe. Yeah, different issue. Right. Completely that, different that's, issue. That's different from you bet. In other words, th- this came. This came from God. This didn't come because of a decision that I made. <laughs> that that's a different situation. That, okay. That's a different situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's more down here. <laughs> Probably, or some down the road after having done that. But, but you're right, in that situation, then we want to get out of that. Yeah, yeah, good point. Other comments to this one? I mean, can you see how, you see the, the insidiousness? 
You see the incredible deception that that, that here, here is here is the <laughs> adversary tempting God. How powerful the flesh is. Yes. I mean, really, if you think about it, he thought he could deceive. Why would we live so prideful as to think that? Amen. Amen. And what does that Jesus? Why did he think? Oh, I, I, I mean, uh, I'm not sure everybody was in in, the, in in our study leading up from the garden to 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 the cross. But I mean, it, this this passage here we called out, if you remember, as Satan's desire to corrupt the seed. This was his. This was one of his masterpiece tried. Trial, trials to, to, to corrupt Christ. Is that why he's asked if you are the Son of God? I mean, that just baffles The me. language there is. The, 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 if, the if actually is since, but it's, it's, it's in a. It is. It's in a um, derogatory yeah. perspective. Okay. Like sarcastic. Yeah, sarcastic is the word I was trying to it's almost say. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's, it really is. Yeah, it's really like it's part scary. Of the Mm-hmm. Yeah. Enticing him with the bar, why you know exactly, and exactly. And it's not that. It's just had nothing to do with the eating. So many times in our lives, there are things that happen that we're like, okay, well, it's not bad to do this, but it's the way it comes about. Exactly. Bingo. Good. Good commentary. Good color. Other things. You know, I'm not. I don't. And in this situation, what would have that been? That would have been sin too, right? Because yeah. the Lord led him yeah, he, into he the... Yeah, he knows the real key. Right. And uh, so clear on knowing that, you know, Job, Satan, God, it yeah. reminds me of the whole Joseph thing, mm-hmm. his brothers, Absolutely. just knowing that God's hand is totally exactly. in it, he is around it. He's, exactly. You know, he's... Yep. And just to have, um, like I said, he didn't remove it. Yep. So what? It. So what about our lives today, tomorrow... Do we not understand? You know, is God sovereign or not? You know, it's kind of the first question I start with, right? I mean, is he sovereign or not? I mean, you end up having to make some... <laughs> this is back to this issue we talked about the questions, right? I mean, if you... Once you ask these questions, you kind of get to the next level. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> okay, then what does it mean? <laughs> you know, you have to, like... It's like, you know... You know, a, a defense attorney leading a person through the process. It's like, you know, we need to be led through this process of thinking because our, our minds are where the battle is taking place, right? And so we need to learn how to ask ourselves the right questions in the process. Right. You know, thinking about that, I'm like, well, not everybody has the same right. kids are, our kids are right now. All the blind spot. Mm-hmm. Goes home, watch that blind spot, exactly. watch that blind spot. You don't know when it's coming. Oh, the analogy is, y'all have exactly. that blind spot. Exactly. Mine may be anger, yours may be something else, but we all, but don't get so comfortable in thinking, well, I don't have he's blind suffering, <laughs> he struggles in anger. Right. I mean, then we're really fooling exactly. ourselves. Because yep. We're it's still there. Yeah. The blind spot hasn't left the car. I mean, unless you're outside of the car, I mean, it still yep. exists. Yep. And just always be aware of that it exists. And Satan knows it exists. Absolutely. So, I mean, but God has that blind spot there for a reason. Yep. And it must, um, I mean, you talked about Paul. I mean, it's not an immediate, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to always get the right answer in exactly. this test. I'm going to pass exactly. this. I mean, it is a whole... It's a process of life. And, you yeah. know, 
failure is a way of like, oh, and almost, you know, failure is a good thing in our life yep. because we can learn from it. If we learn from it, it's good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Put the caveat on it, right? So we're going to finish up there uh, this week, but Isn't we'll pick up. Where, where Sherry Lee brought up, you know, when I'm, I'm the one that causes the. Yeah. I mean, you were right by pointing it out, the very last box feel. That's sort of where you're at. And, you know, God can allow things in our life to keep working yeah. um, mm-hmm. on that. Isn't that sort of what you're saying? Yeah. You know, What's the know, question you, here that you're going to do in order to right. change? I mean, it sort of just yeah. keeps... It does. I mean, his goal is to grow us. Yeah. Right. Period. Yep. I mean, Amen. Us going outside of it. He's just going to pull us back in. Amen. And get, you know, to grow us. Amen. So this first one is all about, you know, the, 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 the thirstings of our life. Do we want to satisfy those more than we want to please God? That's the question, right? That's the, that, that's the, that's the okay, so the so what coming out of this first line, first uh, 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 temptation. Okay, um, would somebody like to close us in prayer? Okay, David. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your great Lives daily, that we trust in you more and more. Grace for your love and your kindness. Anything that we brought this week, that we'll be able to focus on what you have for us today. Worship the message that we touch their lives.